Hello, welcome back to the Mindset Mastery Podcast. Today I am chatting with Regina Lawrence about anxiety and she is an anxiety coach. She helps um, anxious women rewire their brain, rewire their thoughts and their beliefs and the way that they deal with their anxiety. And I'm super excited to bring you this conversation because there's so many good things in here. Um, A lot of, I would say, frequently asked questions. Um, People who ask me about anxiety and they ask me what they can do. This podcast episode will help you so much with just being able to answer those questions for yourself. So let's dive in. Go ahead and get a pen and a piece of paper because you might want to take notes. Good morning, Regina. I'm so excited to have you here on the podcast, um, especially because you are the first anxiety specialist, anxiety coach um, that I've, I'm having here. So thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and to share with you about anxiety and stress and worry and what I've been learning and seeing. Yeah, and a lot of the people that, all the listeners that listen to my podcast, um, most of them have come to me and they're like, I have the worst anxiety, or I have this fear, or my anxiety is is doing this to me today and I don't know how to get out of it. And so I'm just really excited to bring these questions and this value and all this to the podcast because I think it's going to answer a lot for those people. Yeah. And um, so I want to start out with your story. So where did you start? Why, why are you an anxiety coach? All of those good questions. What made you want to do this? So I grew up very, very anxious and worried and stressed all the time. And I just thought it was who I was and how I was meant to be. I grew up with a very anxious mother I grew up with, I'm one of nine kids, so there's seven above me, and my older siblings, I have four sisters, and all four of my sisters are pretty anxious, so I just thought that this is who I am, this is how I'm supposed to be, and I used my anxiety and my worry and, like, my propensity towards stress as a tool, Mm. so, like, I used it to propel me forward academically, so I used it in high school, I was, like, an achiever in high school, I used it to put myself through college, I used it to put myself through law school, Mm -hmm. and I like to say that I used the anxiety, like, to serve me, because it really helped me to be an achiever, but then... I started practicing. I'm an attorney by education and I have actually practiced for seven years and I also have been a law school professor. So I use that to like propel me forward, but then I got into practice and I also picked the most stressful type of practices. Mm. I started off as a federal trial attorney for the city of Philadelphia, which is trial work is the most, I think it's the most stressful type of litigation you can do. Mm -hmm. And then I left that after a couple years and I went into private practice as a white collar fraud litigator, which is high stress, high anxiety, big clients. And, you know, year, year two of my private practice, I had this moment where I was working on a case for a big client and I had had a lot of stress and anxiety up until then. And it was manifesting in different ways, which I now know it with hindsight. Mm-hmm. I had digestional, digestional issues. Mm-hmm. I thought I had food allergies. I 
whatever I could do, I could not lose weight. Like mm. I'm a type A achiever. I was doing all the things. I was mm-hmm. doing the cardio. I was counting the macros. I was mm-hmm. lifting. Like I was like, why is this not working? And so instead of like lightening up, I just pushed forward even mm, harder. Yeah. And my skin was breaking out and my hormones were horrible. And I didn't even know it at the time. And all of this was coming from my stress and anxiety. So all of this culminated in one afternoon where I'm in my office, I'm working on a case for a client and I was started sweating and I started shaking and I was like, Oh my God, I'm having a panic attack. And so I got out of my chair, I closed the office door and I just laid on the floor of my office and I cried and I put on my headspace Mm -hmm. meditation and I was like, I can't live like this anymore. Like I can't live a life where I'm feeling like this. And I don't think I have to, like, that was like a breakthrough moment for me where I was like, there's gotta be a better way than Mm -hmm. the way that I have been living my life. And that propelled me. Like I went like balls to the wall to find a recovery and a way to figure out what was wrong. Um, But that was like my bottom out moment. Yeah. And it's, most of the time, because I had a very similar experience, uh, most of the time it's that bottom out moment that brings you that thought like, okay, I've got to do something. Like there can yeah. be another way <laughs> to live yeah. my life and I don't have to live it completely anxious, completely stressed out all of the time. And I think a lot of people who struggle with anxiety, they think that that's just what they have. And that's just how it is. And that's how I thought it was. That's how you thought it was. It it was just this, I have anxiety and I can't get rid of it. And yeah. for me, I refused to go to the doctor for it. I refused to go get medicine for it because I had just heard all of these really horrible stories about how Um, you know, some of my friends and like, you know, even some family members, they got on the medicine for so long and they couldn't get off of it. And I didn't, I was so scared of that. I had the same problem with depression. I didn't want to get on it to not be able to get off of it. And, um, yeah. So what did you do next? What kind of were, what were your next steps after that breakthrough moment, after you realized you don't have to live that way? So I started a few different things. I first started like piecemeal doing different things. So I started getting into meditation. Mm. So I didn't know how to meditate. I didn't know what meditation was. I thought it was something that it wasn't. I thought Mm -hmm. that meditation meant that you had to sit for an hour every day, like on a yoga mat, like oming. And I didn't understand. I also thought that meditation meant you have to stop your thoughts and you have to stop your mind. And I was like, I will never be able to do that. So it's not for me. But then the biggest, it's so interesting. The biggest tool that really helped me was Headspace has a free, like you can do a free trial of Headspace. Mm -hmm. And so I did that and I was like, oh, this is not what I thought meditation was. Like I thought meditation was like stopping the brain. It's not. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first thing that I did was the meditation. Um, And that, I mean... That in and of itself helped so much. Meditation, I will say the same thing. I I thought it was this weird, like, gosh, there's such a stigma on it. And yeah. um, when I started doing it, I was desperate. I was absolutely desperate. I was willing to do anything because mm-hmm. I had just had, I had had panic attacks before. 
but I didn't know that they were panic attacks until I was a certain age and I knew what anxiety was. So at this point I had a panic attack. Long story short, I was on a trip with my boyfriend and his family and all of a sudden I started having panic attack, panic attack, panic attack. And it was out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like on the ground, dry heaving. I couldn't breathe. I didn't know where I was at. I was dizzy, all that stuff. And when we got back from the trip, I mean, I was still having these panic attacks, having all this anxiety. I couldn't eat. I couldn't Mm -hmm. sleep. There was, it was just like living in my own personal hell. It was horrible. And, um, just sitting here now, I'm like so thankful that I'm not there anymore, you know? Um, and so when I got back from that trip, me and my boyfriend, both, we were so determined to figure out how can we, we'll do anything, you know, of course he was such a trooper and just so sweet through it all. Thank goodness. But, um, we went to the store, we got lavender oil, we got a diffuser, we got, you know, some healthier food. I was, you know, trying to eat healthier, exercise, all that stuff. And I, it still wasn't working. Like nothing, still, I, I wasn't not anxious. So I looked up again, like, how do I get rid of anxiety holistically? And meditation came up and I was like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. What is what does that have to do with anxiety? And so I downloaded this app called Simple Habit. Have you heard of the Simple Habit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's I awesome. loved that app. And I started using it and immediately I started feeling differently. So is that kind of how it happened for you? Did meditation immediately help your anxiety? Like in the snap of a finger or was it... Because I know for everybody is different. Some of my clients... It was pretty quickly. Um, The biggest thing about anxiety, which is why I think meditation is so helpful, is that anxiety manifests in different ways for different people. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have anxiety that comes from the cortex of the brain. So it's the rational part of the brain where we think through and Mm. we, um, you know, we rationalize things and like go from thought to thought to thought to thought. So what anxiety, what um, meditation does is it allows you to slow down and it allows you to slow down the brain a little bit. You're never stopping the brain. That's never the goal. Right. And so I think that's why for me, I am a quick thinker. I'm always thinking, thinking, thinking. And with my, I say with my lawyer brain, I've been trained to not only think, but I'm also thinking 25 steps ahead Mm -hmm. constantly. So my brain is trained to spin and to think in the future. So meditation was a tool for me to learn how to just slow it down a little bit and so once I was able to and also to breathe I I learned that I was not breathing very well and in my day-to-day I would like things would happen and I'd be like (laughs) and once you stop breathing you're literally withholding oxygen from the body the body starts to go into that fight or flight where it's the beginnings of the thought spiral and the the panic attack and so for me the breathing and the taking the the 10 minutes for mindfulness in meditation very quickly mm-hmm. I saw a difference and even now I've been on this journey for years um I'll notice if I go a few days where mm-hmm. life's just busy and I haven't been able to meditate mm-hmm. I feel the the old habits creeping in and I'm like oh 
you haven't meditated and you haven't been working out like normal. Like, right. get it together. You're yes. getting a little cuckoo, you know? Yeah, yeah. The same, that's so funny. The same exact thing will happen to me and I'll start getting anxious or I'll start feeling those same sensations of depression and anxiety in the waves that they used to come in. And then I'll think to myself, okay, well, think about it. You haven't journaled in two weeks. You haven't Mm -hmm. meditated in a week. You haven't even sat down to check in with yourself or anything. Mm -hmm. You haven't exercised in a week. It's just, you know, being aware of that and adding those things up. And once you get all of these tools and you understand them for your anxiety it makes it so much easier to maintain no it's not always just going to be gone and sometimes you will feel the sensations coming back or coming up if something happens but you have more of the ability to you know get it to go back down totally and that's the goal is like you know for me like anxiety creeps in in different ways like life can be stressful. Like we're never going to eliminate the fact that life is stressful mm-hmm. and uh, exercise is stress on the body. Like there's mm-hmm. good and bad stresses, right? right? But it's all about creating a toolkit that you're able to one, understand the source of your stress and anxiety. So things in your life might be causing you stress and anxiety that really shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. And so we can retrain the brain, but we can also have a toolkit so that even if be, you know, all of the experiences and all the learning that we do falls to the wayside. We can go to the breathing. We can go to the meditation. We can go to the gym. We can look at what we're eating. We can journal and it makes such a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And just like you were, you were saying about um, rewiring your brain. So Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, Maybe go into journaling a little bit because They go hand in hand. Oh my goodness. I, and people also, there's also this stigma on journaling that it's like from fourth grade and it's about your boyfriend who broke up with you (laughs) and your friends and all this stuff, but it's really not that for me now. I've, I've really understood even up to, you know, I've been doing this for like a couple of years with the anxiety and meditating and all that stuff. But even just up until this year, I really, really realized how helpful journaling is and how it is one of the most effective tools for anxiety, depression, any kind of, you know, mental health stuff going on with you because it's a form of release and it's a form of just getting that off of you, getting that out and not holding on to it. Because when you hold on to things and you suppress things or, you know, that's, it builds up and that's kind of like the breathing thing when you're like, it builds up and you're holding on to it and causes more anxiety. So how can we journal? How can we get more into that? Um, as a beginner, a beginner listening to this and they're, they're like, I don't know what that is. I don't know if I'm even going to be doing it right. Um, how right. can they start today? It's so funny. I was like talking to my friend about journaling and she said the same thing. Like, how like am I, how am I going to do it right? I'm like, there's no Olympics for journaling. You're not yeah. training for like the Olympics. Yeah, like you... we're working on your mind. Like there's, <laughs> it doesn't have to be perfect. What are you talking yeah, about? You don't have to turn um, it in for a grade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we said the same thing about meditation. I was like, there's no like Olympics for meditation. Like right. just you practice. So that's why it's called a practice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so journaling goes hand in hand. Something that I talk about a lot and 
it's something that a lot of research in modern neuroscience talks about. Dr. Joe Dispenza is really big mm. on this. Yeah. And it's the, the thoughts that we think and the words that we say really affect the complete outcome of our life. And Absolutely. it's also the thoughts that we have and the words that we speak about stories from our past. Mm -hmm. So I always say that we didn't come into this world stressed and anxious. Like there's natural stresses in the body and there's good stresses and there's bad stresses. But anxiety is a response to something happening. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times for most people, it's a trained response. So for me, I'll use myself as an example. My childhood, I grew up with a very anxious mother. Everything was like anxious about everything all the time. And I picked up on those cues and mm -hmm. those ways of behavior. Mm -hmm. So I started to respond to things like I saw my primary caregiver responding to things. Mm -hmm. um, I also grew up in a household where there was a lot of turmoil. Okay. And I was the, the one who never wanted to get in trouble always wanted to be the fixer, always wanted mm. to help everybody. You know, my parents got separated when I was 13 and I was, I, I became my mother's mom. I grew up way too young. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had to, I felt, and nobody ever put this pressure on me. I put it on myself. I felt like I had to be everything for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so that's where my stress and anxiety really started. It started in childhood. It started you know, subconsciously watching two parents who didn't really love each other mm -hmm. and feeling the tension and, you know, that's how it started in my body. Mm -hmm. And so for me and this, and I'll tie this back to the journaling is, you know, once I understood the source of why I was a quote unquote anxious person, mm -hmm. I could then understand my childhood. I could look, understand my parents. I could understand what my experiences were like. And then I could, once I did that, I, I was able to recognize, okay, that's how you were then, but you don't have to be like that now. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I did to start to change that was, there's a lot of things that I did, but one of the things I did was change the way that I talked to myself and about myself with regards to stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I used to always jokingly say, like, it was like my shtick with my friends. Like, I was like, I'm a stress mess. Like, I'm a hot mess, mm -hmm. you know? I'm stressed out all the time. Like, yeah. it was a joke. My friends would be like, you're a nutcase. And I was like, <laughs> I know. And like, we'd laugh about it. Yeah. But I realized that saying that, whenever we say, I am stressed, I am anxious, we're taking on that as our person. Those I am statements are so powerful. Yeah. So the very first thing that I did was start to change the way that I spoke and talked to myself. So I was suffering from stress and anxiety. All I wanted to do was be peaceful and productive because the anxiety was affecting my productivity at the time. Mm -hmm. So every day I would wake up and I would journal, I am peaceful, I am productive. And however I wanted my peaceful day to look, However, I wanted my productive day to look, I would journal about it mm -hmm. because I wanted my mind and my body and my subconscious to get into that space and into that zone. Yeah. So that's how I started journaling. And it's funny for anybody listening, I and I and I always would speak greatness. I started to learn how to speak greatness into myself from the morning. Mm -hmm. So like I am powerful, I am lovable, mm -hmm. I am all these things. And whenever I start working with a new client, one of the first things we do is we start this morning journal mantra habit and they always kind of laugh. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I know it sounds silly, but it's powerful. Mm -hmm. Do it consistently for the next two weeks before we talk. And then you're tell me how it is when you come back. 
every time they get back on the phone with me, they're like, it's so weird. I've been doing what you said mm-hmm. and I feel better about my life. Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? I was like, I told you it's your work. You're reprogramming your brain and mm-hmm. it starts with the words that you think and the thoughts that you say and then the journaling. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing. Yes. Oh my gosh. That, that is amazing how they come back to you at first, you know, they're like, okay sure I'll do that (laughs) and then they come back and they're like oh my gosh um something with I can relate one of my clients I told her um because she said so she had depression anxiety all these things too and I kept telling her the same thing you know use the meditation journaling all that stuff and I also told her I said you just watch and you wait because everything around you is going to change. Like your your spouse or your partner, you know, your work environment, all of the vibrations are, are raising. And as you raise your frequency, everyone around you and the people, the things around you are going to too. And she comes back to me and she's like, okay, what kind of like voodoo magic shit are you doing to my life? Because... Every time you say, this is going to work, it works. And I'm like, because I, cause I did it, girl. Like, I, I've been through it, and it's just so cool that mm-hmm. something's so powerful. Like, you can learn it yourself so easily, and then you can teach it to someone so easily. And it's, it's like... It's so simple. It's so simple, so easy to do, but we mm-hmm. avoid it because of that, like, resistance factor. Sometimes especially after you first learn it, you get that like high of it, right? And you're like so excited to do it again because it makes you so happy and it makes you so vibrant and all that stuff. And then we forget to keep doing it because um, you get used to it and you don't, you think you don't need it anymore. It's mm-hmm. just like, it's just like an exercise plan. Like when you get to the point of losing as much weight as you want to, or you start uh-huh. feeling better and then you just go back to doing what you were doing before. Um, so let's talk about the consistency factor of it. Cause I'll be honest, this is one thing that I struggle with myself with journaling, not so much meditation because I just, I can't not do it every single day, but journaling I'll skip out on and yeah. I forget to do it or, you know, it just doesn't like I get real resistant to it. So for anyone else who feels the same way about journaling, what advice do you have for them? Do you have any, like, do you go by a, a schedule or a structure or anything for your journaling to keep you on track with it? Or how does that work for you and your clients? So I like to keep myself accountable with a checklist. Okay. Um, I like to, at the beginning of my week, I, um, I have this whiteboard. I, I was going to show you, but this is a podcast, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I have this whiteboard, and it has, like, week of, you know, May 13th. And I have it divided up with financial goals, spiritual goals, and physical goals. And I like to check, you know, that I've done it mm-hmm. so I can look back and see. And, like, I try to keep – because I, I get – I'm one of those people where I want to do everything, like, 125% all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to limit um, the pressure I put on myself. So mm-hmm. I really try to do 15 minutes in the morning, five to 10 minutes of meditation, and then a few minutes of visualization, and mm-hmm. then a few minutes of journaling. Okay. I don't journal more than 
three minutes in the morning. Okay. Um, if I have something that I'm really, that's causing me pain or trouble, I'll journal longer, mm-hmm. but I keep it really short and I keep it really simple in the morning. And at night, if I can do it again, I'll do it again. Yeah. But really the morning is for me. So for me, it's the shorter, the better. Mm-hmm. And it's, I keep, you know, I, I keep all of my journaling stuff, like with my work stuff, because I tend to wake up in the morning and make coffee and want to just like jump into my work. Mm -hmm. And so if I see like, I have like my journal and all my meditation stuff with me. Um, I also have like, I'm really into these like little meditation books where it's a daily devotion. And so like right now I have one with Marianne Williamson. It's a year of miracles and it takes a couple minutes to read. And I like to put it next to the toilet. So I get to go to the bathroom in the morning, it's sitting there. Uh And I'm like, I can't help but look at it because Uh I'm going to go to the bathroom as soon as I wake up every morning. Yeah, You know, so I just like, I see where like it's been hard for me or where I struggle and I try to just match what my routine is that way you know, I stay consistent with it. But journaling, yeah. I will say the journaling is something that sometimes I'll look at my journal and I'll be like, oh, I haven't written in this in seven days. Weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So try to keep it as simple as possible. Don't put too much pressure on yourself and all of that. That helps me to like to not, <laughs> I have to do that with um, my gym stuff because if I put the pressure on myself, if I put too much thought on it, I won't do it. (laughs) I'll just be like, oh my gosh, I just feel, I I won't, I'm not doing this. But, so with the journaling, I know it's going to be different for everyone, but just to keep it as simple as possible and don't like, you know, put too much emphasis on it. Like just keep it to where you're doing your affirmations. You're kind of getting whatever it is out and um, onto the paper. Exactly. So I always try to in the morning write out whatever I want. So affirmations for what I want for my day. So anybody that doesn't know, an affirmation is like a positive statement for what you want to accomplish or how you want to be or what you want to happen in your life. Mm -hmm. So I'll write that. I always write a few things that I'm thankful for. I try Mm -hmm. to every morning wake up in a spirit of Thanksgiving. So a lot of times, even before I wake up, before my eyes are even open, I give thanks for like three things and it could literally be like the comfortable bed I'm sleeping in Mm -hmm. the fact that I, you know, whatever it is, the fact Mm -hmm. that I'm going to get out of bed, make coffee that I love. Mm -hmm. And then I have a snuggly cat laying next to me, like whatever it is. Um, I try to start with like a spirit of gratitude and then I will write about that too. Just like really simple, simple, simple things. I love that. Yeah. And there's actually this app. Have you heard of the happy, not perfect app? I haven't. Oh my goodness. So it's really, really cool. And it has this button on the front where, or on the first page, it says, start your mind workout. I think that's what it says. And you press the button and it starts like a, um, like this cool little game. So basically you'll, you'll press on whatever feeling that you're having emotion that you're having, whether it's happiness or it's anxiety or it's stress or worry. Um, For example, if you click anxiety, it gives you this little game to get your mind off of your anxiety. It's like 30 seconds long. Then the next one is write down some things that you're grateful for. And it's really cool. 
how you can it it has a journal prompt and everything too so you can do you can make it as simple as that download this app and just use that every morning and then at the end of it it gives you this little two minute breathing practice so it's really easy to find little tools and little things you just gotta kind of look for them if it if journaling isn't for you then start with something that is kind of this in the same you know area and ease yourself into it I know because totally my boyfriend he he does some different things but he's so completely different than me and he's always like journaling isn't for me meditating isn't for me but he has to try different things and I know that eventually he'll probably like want to do it but he's just got to start off in his own way and I get that everyone really does start these things in their own separate ways uh, because we're all different You have to do, like, what works for you, but you have to do something. Right. Like, if you want to change and you are tired of feeling a certain way, and this is whether you're just somebody suffering with general anxiety or even, like, I have a girl who I've been coaching for a year who is medicated and um, works with a doctor and has anxiety. You have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So whether it's meditation is what works for you or journaling or working out or, you know, going to your life coach or your therapist or whoever you work with, you have to do something because if you don't, it's never going to change. So for the people who are listening and they're like, oh, I don't know about meditation, try it Mm -hmm. and then let me know if you know, right? Right. If you're not sure about journaling, try it a couple times. Mm -hmm. And if it's not for you, then it's not for you. But you you never know Mm -hmm. until you try it. Yeah, you have to try. You have to do something if you want to change. If not, you're just going to stay the same. Exactly, and don't let your ego get in the way. Just because there's stigma on meditation and journaling, that's that's a huge piece of advice that I have because I always it is a it is popular for people to say, you know, it's just not for me. I don't do that. It's well, anything can be for you if you change that belief and you kind of get work your way into it. I think that. Mm -hmm. Meditation could be for anyone. I'll be totally. really honest about that. I think it can help everyone and anyone, and I think the world needs more of it. Yeah. <laughs> we need more people doing that. But, totally. um, yeah, just don't let your ego get in the way if you're listening to this. Just because people have, you know, put stigmas on it, said things about it, said that it's weird. And also, remember, you don't have to tell everybody that you do it. You can right. just do this for <laughs> you. The thing that helped me break the stigma uh, for myself, and I tell people this all the time, is I, you know, in my life and in my career, I seek to have great success. And I study the habits of the most successful people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And guess what? When you sit and study the morning routines and the evening routines of the most successful men and women on the planet, you will see a common thing. And that is almost every single one of them wakes up in the morning and is grateful for something. Mm-hmm. Almost every single one of them has some sort of meditation and prayer in their life. Almost every single one of them wakes up and works out or does some sort of physical movement. Mm-hmm. Like there's variations, but the most successful people on the planet are all doing these things. And if they're doing them, that was, this was my mindset when I was like meditation, journaling, gratitude, what? if the most successful people on the planet are doing this and are able to power through and have these incredible lives, then sign me up. Sign so that me up. was my motivator. So that yeah. any ego I had about it, I was like, 
if Tony Robbins, who makes like billions of dollars a year, is waking up with a spirit of gratitude and journaling and meditating, I'm going to do it for 10 minutes a day. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, 10 minutes of my day. What what can it hurt? Seriously. Seriously, I know. <laughs> so moving on to more anxiety questions because this this is something that I really truly believe was correlated with my own anxiety when I was having the panic attacks and I was having this debilitating just feeling of I didn't want to go anywhere I didn't want to talk to anyone like it was just so bad um do you believe that anxiety or have you done any studies on this do you think it's heavily correlated with feeling the need to control everything or feeling like you're out of control? I think it can be. I think for a lot of people, anxiety is the desire to be in control of control. Mm-hmm. So control is something I've spent a lot of time reading about and studying about um, and the connection between control, fear, and anxiety. So we have this desire to want to control things and then we want to be able to control the outcome or we want to be able to control the control mm-hmm. and control is an, is an illusion, right? Nice. So we have control of very little. We have control of our mind for the most part and we have control of our body, but we can lose that with disease and with, you know, tragedy, right? right. So a lot of times we spend our days when we're feeling anxious, like what are we feeling anxious about? Like I always ask myself that, what's the anxiety? Mm-hmm. And it's usually some outcome that I'm trying to micromanage mm-hmm. that literally I have no control of. Yeah. Um, a great example is I'll talk to friends and even myself in dating and you start dating somebody new and they haven't called you back or you haven't texted you back and you're like, <gasps> Why aren't they texting me? What's happening? Oh my gosh, does it not like me? Does it not look cute on our date? Whatever. So then the thoughts start to spiral. That thought spiral is because you want to control the outcome Mm -hmm. that this person didn't text you back. Mm -hmm. You have no control over whether that person chooses to text you back or not. But you're, you're, and then we reason it in our brain. We think, well, I'm just trying to figure out the solution. I'm trying to find the answer. And And that's how we trick ourselves into this spiral thought process is I want to control the outcome. The outcome is this person hasn't texted me back. So I'm going to think about it. I'm going to think about it and I'm going to think about it. And then as a woman and with my friends, I see we go into this thought spiral and then we text crazy stuff Mm -hmm. because like we're trying to control the situation. We're not happy. And so I think a lot of that, a lot of times the day-to-day anxieties for the average person is because they want to control something Mm -hmm. or because they're with the control goes fear. So Mm -hmm. I, in that same scenario, like this person hasn't texted me back, I want to control it. I feel there's a deeper reason why I want to control it. Mm. I feel a fear. Am I going to be, does this person not like me? Am I going to be alone? Um, am I not lovable? Like mm-hmm. all of those things come in, come out in that simple controlling and anxious moment, yes, right? Yes. <clears throat> and we start making up those stories and those totally. stories are rooted from other things that we don't even realize um, we've already made up as well. So, yeah. so it's kind of crazy. And what you were just saying, it's like, 
you're scared either like sometimes it's you're scared of rejection because you've been rejected as a child by a parent or you're scared of not being loved by this person or them not thinking that you're cute or pretty or like whatever these crazy things that we (laughs) make up totally or we take like we take stories from similar like everything that we see in life is colored with our perception and our stories and our experiences so in the arena of dating if somebody's not texting you back like i had something like that recently happen where i was like why isn't this guy texting me back does he not like me blah blah blah. and then i reflected on it and it was because in recent dating experiences i've had things happen that have made that as a result of them i've felt rejected Mm. or I felt sad Mm -hmm. and so I was taking those experiences and those stories out on a new person yeah and totally making assumptions Mm -hmm. and you know and and that's that's what we do with life like we have experiences and we store Dr. Joe talks about the fact that we store those experiences and essentially those stories in ourselves Mm -hmm. and like that's all we know in the brain like we Mm -hmm. have that stored in our brain and so when we see these new situations we then take those stories and take those experiences out and like project it on to what's happening and make it your reality like you Mm -hmm. you almost so this is what I told one of my clients a couple of weeks ago I said that we were talking about her mom and how her entire life she has felt basically disregarded and just not important and or like a burden and Mm -hmm. so she was telling me about how with her partner sometimes she'll say to her you're so beautiful or she'll say I love you so much and she'll be like shut up like no you don't or whatever and I was trying to tell her you know you just start receiving those things just start saying thank you whatever um but I was telling her the reason that, and she was saying, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm a burden to her. And sometimes I feel like, you know, she's lying to me and that it's not true, that I'm not actually important. And then we had the conversation about her mom and we kind of linked those things, correlated those things together. And I said, this really deeply rooted belief from your childhood that you're unimportant, that you're a burden, that you're this, that you're that is being projected into your relationships, into your friendships, into every single area of your life. And you don't even realize it because that's your blueprint and Mm -hmm. you're not aware of it. So when you are, so your blueprint is what you create in your reality and -hmm. your beliefs are your reality. So if you believe that you're a burden, if you believe that you're unimportant because someone made you feel that way, and that's not your fault. But someone made you feel that way. And so it's going to result. That's going to be the result. You're going to believe that and that's going to be your reality. And you're going to find situations that make you feel that way. And you're going going to to find situations that fulfill that feeling. Right. And you're going to attract those situations that fulfill that feeling. Right. Because, and this is what I always say to her too, the frequency will always meet you where you're at. So mm-hmm. at that frequency, you're going to have other things that, 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 that same one and that same experience, that same vibration. And when you, and this is what I told her about, um, raising her vibration and changing her habits, changing her beliefs. When you raise those things, the frequency also meets you where you're at. So better experiences happen, better, higher frequency things happen to you yeah. when you raise your vibe. So 
that's why all of this journaling and all of the meditation and all of this is so important to rewire those beliefs and rewire those blueprints because when it is something, for example, I'll, I'll give them my own experience. I used to believe I am not enough. That was my belief and I would try to overcompensate everything and all of my relationships overdoing it and um when I was made aware of that I realized I was attracting all of these things that proved to me in my belief that I wasn't and so when you're able to turn that around oh my gosh your life completely so, changes. It's so big. I used to always notice, and now I understand it, but I didn't before. I would always notice that there were people in life who would say, bad things always happen to me. And that prophecy was always fulfilled. I was just thinking about, I had this boss before. Literally, the worst things always happened to him. Like, his family would get sick. Like, cars would break down. Luggage would be lost. Like, everything but he was always he was always so negative Mm -hmm. and I would always joke with him but seriously I would say you're a really powerful manifester and if you (laughs) changed your mindset I can't even imagine the abundance that would flow into your life Mm -hmm. because it was so powerful but like I I see that with people all the time where they're so negative and they're like I don't understand why bad things always happen to me I'm like bad things are always happening to you because you're literally living in a vibration where you expect that and that's what you're going to receive constantly. Exactly. Um, same thing. I, I worked with someone who would always, always, I mean, she would say it and it would happen. Like the bad things. Um, I heard her say one time, she said, last thing I need is a car wreck. The next week, totals her car. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, you can speak these things into existence and you don't even, I mean, I'm sure she didn't even realize that she said that, you know, mm-hmm. and we're just not aware of what we're speaking out. Like it, you don't even know that your belief is that bad things happen to you. You don't know how deeply rooted that is and that yeah. you are attracting every single, it's so sad, but yeah, it it's true. And yeah. it's easy to play the victim and be like, that's so woo-woo and that's not true and that's dumb. Like, I don't attract, I don't, I didn't attract my illness. I didn't attract my anxiety. I didn't attract this. But when you realize how powerful your beliefs are, you do start to get more aware of the attracting and um, really the things that you're bringing into your life. Um, totally. And, and what I say to people all the time is like, we as human beings are constantly emitting and burning energy. Mm-hmm. Scientifically, that's a fact. And we can now see that scientifically they can measure, they have tools to measure our thoughts mm-hmm. and measure the energy and the vibration that comes off of us. Yeah. So just as energy attracts energy in science, it's the same thing with the human person. Yeah. Like, so People who say like, oh, like that's woo-woo, that doesn't make sense, try to change your thoughts. And something Mm -hmm. that I've done is people are like, well, how do you change your thoughts? I actually do this exercise fairly often and I just did it last week. I was thinking about what limiting beliefs do I have in my life? What are old stories that I still hold onto? So I sat down and I wrote down all of these limiting beliefs, these negative thoughts, these old stories. And then next to them, I wrote, what do I want this story to be? Mm -hmm. How do I want this story to change? And I sat there and wrote, 
what I want to change. Mm -hmm. And that's another like powerful journaling exercise because it gives you a chance to sit and think about like all the negative things and all the negative stories. Like money is a really powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Like thinking about the way that you think about money or your family talked about money or like abundance and then writing, well, what do I want my money story to be? And then writing it out. Yeah. I love that. That's 100%. I had to, do that in the beginning for myself because I had all of these beliefs like um, about my anxiety. So even though I was shifting out of it and really healing a lot of the um, the reasons behind it, I still had all these beliefs that I was holding on to. Mm-hmm. I did all the meditation. I did um, a lot of journaling and all of that, but I didn't do a lot of rewiring and mm-hmm. um, retraining my brain, re rewriting my beliefs. So I think that is super, super important. A common belief about anxiety is that, like, you know, I I get anxious because of this. This always gives me anxiety. This always, yeah. <laughs> this always happens, or this always gives me anxiety. And it's like, it doesn't have to. Um, it really doesn't. So for, I, I used to think that the grocery store gave me anxiety and Mm -hmm. I just started writing down. I love going to the grocery store. I love to be able to buy organic food. I like, you just change the specifics around it. You just change the real, like, who cares if there's a lot of people make a conversation with somebody. Um, and that's something I started doing too in public where if you used to be an anxious person or you are an anxious person, it helps so much to go out of your comfort zone and talk to someone. It's like yeah. you're interrupting that pattern. You're interrupting totally. that that flow of anxiety where um, and that belief even. You can go home and rewrite that belief and it can be changed like just from that powerful um, conversation at the grocery store, like literally uh, interrupting the pattern. Totally. And then also like with the pattern interrupting, something that helped me is giving, being thankful, like, Mm -hmm. like talking about the grocery store, like I'm thankful that I'm able to buy organic food. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful that I live in a country where I have so much, so many options and so much selection. Like I always couple the gratitude with the change belief too, because when you're great, when you are living in a grateful body, it's hard. It's hard to be unhappy. It's Mm -hmm. hard to like be stressed out. Um, even when stressful moments arise, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, whatever is causing me stress and anxiety. I always, always, always try to find the light in it and give Mm -hmm. thanks for whatever the light is. Even if it's like dumb, like, Oh no, like I'm sitting in traffic. Like I'm going to be late for this meeting. I might even be like, I'm thankful for how good my eyebrows look right now. Yeah. Like something even like silly, like just to always stay in that, that energy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. And, um, just for everyone listening before we end the podcast, I, I want you to know, like, no matter what, whatever the belief is, cause there's so many things, every single thing we say is generally, you know, generally related to a belief or it is a belief. Mm-hmm. And just remember, you can change every single belief that you have. Um, I, I had to change one. So my client and I were talking about this and she's talking about how, her partner's family makes her feel unimportant. They make her feel like she's, sometimes she feels like um, they don't care about her, her or she's not welcome in their house or whatever. And I said, you know, you can change that. Okay. Because you believe that. And that is what's happening because you believe that. 
once you change that, you truly can change that and it won't seem like truly in your mind, it won't seem as bad if you change the belief. Yeah, yeah totally. maybe sometimes um, some the same things will happen at their house, but it won't be that important to you because you're, it's not your belief anymore. It's not your blueprint anymore. So no matter what it is, you can always change it and you can always change your perspective on it as well. And that's, and that's so powerful. Like I think about that all the time. Once I realized that I had the ability to change things about myself and that I was in control, like that really helped me to step into my power because when you don't, when you don't fully like realize and step into the fact that you can change your, you can become like a victim mm-hmm. and you can feel like a prisoner in your own body. And mm-hmm. I know with anxiety, like there were times where I, I was in such deep stress and anxiety where I felt like a prisoner in my body and all I wanted to do was sleep all the time yeah. or do things to check out. But once you realize that you're in control and then once you start to learn the tools and implement the tools, then you take control of your life and there's nothing that feels better than like being in your power. Yeah, absolutely. I I absolutely agree 100%. And that's really all I with this movement and with this podcast and everything, I just want to help people take back their power. And that's that's at the end of the day more important than any fear that you have or you know, fear is an illusion. Fear is a belief. It's, mm-hmm. it's just something that you can change. And so nothing has your power unless you give it your power. So yeah. you can truly take your power back. You don't have to have anxiety, debilitating anxiety the rest of your life. You don't right. have to have all of these problems. Um, and once you are more aware and you are more, you have, whenever you discover these tools and you're able to implement them every single day, like you will just be so much happier you'll have your power back all these wonderful things you'll master your mindset and be able to just know that like you don't have to live in hell you you can move on from this identity and from this where you're at absolutely yeah so we'll go ahead and end on that I'm so excited to have you here today I'm just so glad that you reached out and I'm glad I even made that post it was so funny because I was like Oh, I really want to have more people on the podcast, but I'm not that great of an interviewer. Well, there's a belief, (laughs) there's the belief. And I turned that belief around. I was like, okay, I'm a good conversation haver. So that's all I need to be for this. Exactly. (laughs) So thank you for being here today, Regina. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks girl. I hope you loved that episode as much as I did. And if you want to reach out to Regina, go add her on Facebook, Regina Angelica Lawrence. And she actually has a new program coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, And this is for people who have anxiety and struggle with that. So go ahead and go follow her. Go reach out to her. She's so, so amazing. She's going to be starting a podcast of her own soon. So yeah, I hope that you enjoyed this and I hope that it was helpful for you. And if it was, please leave a review and a rating um, on the podcast and I will see you next time.